You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody and happy Sunday to you. I'm your host Al Melker and you are listening to Fanrag Fantasy Baseball. And with me today, get to have him here for the whole show. Also from Fanrag Sports, Mr. Greg Jewett. Greg, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Al. Yep, uh, always, always a pleasure. And... Um, you know, we might as well get started the way it seems like we've gotten started a lot over the past uh, week and a half or so with some Mets news. I feel like it's just the Mets world and, and we're just kind of living in it. But uh, good news uh, on Asdrubal Cabrera, who uh, hurt his thumb on Saturday. MRI is negative. He is day to day. So I think that's that's good news. It's certainly good news for his dribble Cabrera, um, for those owners who were getting all heated up about a potential Ahmed Rosario call-up. Maybe it's not the, uh, the news they were looking for. But uh, what, uh, you know, how soon do you think we see Rosario? Because clearly, you know, the Mets are, are thinking about it and, and maybe looking for ways to, to get him up. Uh, I would have to put that past at least Super 2. I don't think they're looking to start his clock anytime soon. Uh, my favorite tweet this morning was Rosario answering a fan saying that he was at the Waffle House last night and not on a plane. So, um, <laughs> but, but the Mets, I don't think the Mets want to bring him up unless they know he's going to play every day. So unless something really does happen to uh, Esdrubal in the, in the long term or – or anything of that nature. I'm not sure they're in a rush if they need to make a splash around July to try and surge towards uh, a playoff push. And I think a lot of it will depend upon their pitching staff. Um, we'll see what happens. Or if they decide to sell some pieces off, the, the Mets are going to be a very interesting team to watch in the next month, month and a half. Absolutely they are. And, yeah, speaking of the pitching staff, of course, already depleted and now depleted a little more for the next few days because Matt Harvey has been suspended for three days for violating a team rule. There has not been any uh, details coming out in terms of what the specifics are for the uh, suspension. Uh, Although, according to Mark Kerrig, uh, the Mets beat writer. It does not have to do with what he and these are his words: the text, uh, the sex toy fiasco. So uh, that's uh, that's getting a lot of play on Twitter right now. Uh, but for whatever reason, Matt Harvey suspended for three days, and so that means today that uh, Mets and Marlins fans get to enjoy an Adam Will Jose Urania matchup uh, for that start. And also in Mets pitching news, they are considering free agent Doug Fister, who's still out there. Uh, this is uh, courtesy of Chris Cotillo from SB Nation. Uh, and actually, the Mets are one of four teams to have gone and watched Fister throw last week. So certainly the Mets could use uh, Doug Fister. Uh, regardless of where he winds up, Greg, uh, any interest fantasy-wise in Doug Fister? Uh, not particularly, but at least in the, if he's with the Mets, that ballpark should help him at least be a home stream. 
uh, in deeper formats, but I don't think it goes any deeper than that, especially considering he's going to need a he's going to need at least two to three weeks to to work in the minors and get some arm strength built up. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, while the you know the Mets I think upstaged this a little bit, uh, this is I think on any other day might be the the big story. The Cardinals have called up from the Florida State League, Magnura Sierra. Uh, who's actually in the starting lineup today. They're down three outfielders now with uh, Dexter Fowler out and Stephen Piscotti on the DL. And Jose Martinez now on the DL. Uh, so Sierra, better known for his defense at this stage of his career. Uh, any fantasy interest there? I think he's nice if you're going to be able to stash him in keeper leagues or uh, things of that nature. Like my keeper league, you can't bid on a guy if you don't get him in the preseason auction until he gets in at bat. So... Um, he can be someone to possibly stash away, but yeah, that they're they're drawing the uh, segue between Kobe Rasmus having his glove get him to the majors, and now and now uh, Sierra following in the same path. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I you know we had talked about this on uh, Saturday's show, or rather, I'm sorry, Friday's show, and uh, I anticipated Harrison Bader. Nothing about the fact he's not on the 40 man roster, so that's why we don't see Bader up uh, mm-hmm. in the major leagues. So, well, a lot more news. Actually, some important uh, injury updates as you're thinking about your week six lineup. So, Greg, you and I'll uh, go through those and try to figure out the start-sit conundrums with those players. Uh, More uh, news besides that. And we've got some uh, hitter standouts. So, uh, a lot going on in this show. But uh, stay with us. And also, when we come back, check in on some of the lineups and the weather forecast. So much to go over. So, uh, we'll be right here. When you come back, see you soon. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports, uh, specifically Fan Rag, Fantasy Baseball. Not just all fantasy sports, but Fan Rag, Fantasy Baseball. I'm here with Greg Jewett, and I'm Al Melchior, your host for the hour. And, Greg, like I mentioned before the break, lots of news to get to, some important weather developments uh, to keep an eye on. But before we get to any of that, quick word on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley while you're jogging. They'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fancy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. So, Greg, I know later on in the show, we're going to go over some of your start-sit recommendations from your uh, weekly piece that deals with that. Um, In the uh, lineups for Sunday, and uh, many of them are already out, there's one here that's really caught my eye. The the Pirates lineup, Jose Ozuna batting fifth uh, against the righty, Zach Davies. So, Jose Ozuna getting some play against righties, Mm -hmm. and he's got four lefty starters on the schedule for next week, and Ozuna hits lefties, or at least the minors hit lefties really well. Uh, what do you think about him as a start for Week 6? 
Um, I'd be interested in him. Uh, he had a really nice day one time in uh, DFS for me against the Southpaw, um, and that, and he did the same thing in the minors last year. So he's definitely in play. I just uh, for once I couldn't pick on Brandon Belt this week at first base because he's facing mostly righties this week. So he uh, he was able to get himself off of the uh, start sit list. But Ozuna is definitely in play in uh, in deeper formats or as a, a weekly fill in at first base if you need him. All right. Well, uh, yeah, the, definitely a name that for me got a lot more interesting now that he seems to be settling in as the the regular right fielder for the Pirates. Uh, in terms of today's slate, you know, we're going to get into some things relevant for next week, not only with your start sit column, but with some injury news coming up shortly. But uh, for today, the weather forecast, the two kind of iffy situations right now, and this is courtesy of Roto Grinders and Kevin Roth, um, are in Southern California. The Angels hosting the Astros. There's a uh, 39% chance of precipitation at game time that actually increases slightly uh, just after that. And then uh, San Diego, Dodgers at the Padres, a 93% chance of precipitation. That holds fairly steady uh, throughout the evening there uh, in San Diego. So to me, personally, that's disappointing because in my Sunday streamers column, uh, I highlighted Trevor Cahill for the Padres and Matt Shoemaker for the Angels as two of your better Sunday streaming options. So they, they may be gone depending on the weather. So definitely keep an eye on, on those situations. But, Greg, let's uh, take a look at some injury issues that might affect your looking a little farther ahead, your week six uh, lineups. Brian Dozier is likely out until Tuesday with a sprained ankle. Uh, but Tuesday, it appears, would be probably the earliest we see Brian Dozier. Would you have any reservations about starting him? Uh, he's he's shown himself to be pretty tough in the past and play through things. So as much as uh, he's a little bit risky, I doubt uh, the options to replace him are great. So I would be in a weekly lineup. I would probably leave him in there. Um, it's a lot easier on daily ones to manage in and out, but um, not too much reservation, but he has been uh, he has been stealing some bases early in the year, so that'll probably be down this week. You're just hoping for the power. Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, the, the thing is, it's with somebody like Dozier, you know, it's you want to see, I guess, a more definitive negative report <laughs> to sit him out because it's he's just going to be so hard to replace. And the same thing could certainly mm-hmm. be said about Ryan Braun. Now he had an MRI on his uh, right forearm. He has a slight flexor strain, which to me doesn't sound good, but he is uh, reportedly going to be ready to return Tuesday. So same question there with Ryan Braun. Yeah, I'm probably going to have him in there. Um, just I, I fortunately don't own any shares of him, but I would definitely, uh, you know, and it's so hard when you get these, when you're in a league that locks on Monday and then there's always those inevitable DL placements on Monday after lock. But uh, I think the Brewers are being smart, resting them now and taking the long view for next week. So I would probably lean towards playing him as well, depending on what I had to replace him. But yeah. And, and, you know, you mentioned the Monday lineup lock. It is a seven o'clock, seven Oh five, actually uh first pitch this uh this monday so that's good news because you get a little extra time to make that call that that, you know literally game time decision and same thing might go for you know the the probably the two biggest uh most popular names in fantasy mike trout and bryce harper uh trout was uh he's had a recurrence of his hamstring tightness 
And so he was out on Saturday. He is day-to-day. And Harper out of the Nats lineup two days in a row uh, with his groin issue. So, uh, you know, if, if you're going to lean towards starting Dozier and Braun, obviously, you know, it makes sense to lean towards starting uh, Trout and Harper. But I think with all four players, you know, you, you keep an eye today and tomorrow right up until 7 o'clock mm-hmm. and see 7 o'clock Eastern, of course, uh, you know, to see how that's, uh, that's all going. Jamison Tyone is on the DL with growing discomfort. Trevor Williams will take his place, and he gets the start uh, Monday at the Dodgers, and that lines Williams up for a two-start week. Uh, also at Arizona, how are you liking that, Greg? Uh, I'm probably going to pass on that, especially with the second one being in Arizona. You know, I think people sometimes get cute with these two-star pitchers, and anyone who took a shot with Brett Anderson last week is still smarting. So I'll probably uh, watch that one from afar. Um, I did see your guy uh, Lindblom was called up too, so I'm not sure if he'll be long relief or work in anything there, but uh, definitely somebody to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, and I would assume Lindblom's up for long relief. But, you know, if, if Williams has a rough go against the Dodgers, maybe he gets that start, too, which is just one more reason mm-hmm. to, like you said, not get cute with, uh, you know, the two-start options, uh, you know, such as Trevor Williams. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez missed another game with his calf cramp. So you add another player to your list of players to check uh, today and, and Monday. Christian Yelich out on Saturday with a mild hamstring issue, uh, but again, that's just termed as a precautionary uh, sitting out for Yelich. And uh, I'll check and see. I haven't checked the Marlins lineup, see if he's in. In fact, let's do that. Let's go to the lineups real quickly here. Uh, and Christian Yelich is batting second, uh, playing center field, so it does not appear that there's a concern for Week Six with Yelich, unless there's you know some sort of recurrence. Uh, with his hamstring issue, so mm-hmm. some some at least tentative good news there for Christian Yelich. Let's go back to uh, Saturday's game. Some of the the better uh, performances or more noteworthy performances. Aaron Hicks with a four hit game. He homered. He doubled. He stole a base. Kind of did it all against the Cubs. And of course, you you mentioned Greg that uh, you know that was a a horrible and very very short start for uh, Brett Anderson, who's now in the DL. But um, mm-hmm. you know Hicks has been playing the last few days because of Jacoby Ellsbury being out. He could be back very soon. So what does what do you think that means for Hicks going forward? Do you think he's hit enough to stay in the lineup? Does it matter fantasy wise? What what do you think there? I would like to see him play more, but I at at best I would see him working his way into the right side platoon with Ellsbury. And uh, they can give um, Gardner a, a sporadic day off, too, when there's a lefty on the mound. But um, this this has been a great sneak preview. People were kind of hoping for this last year with Hicks. Uh, and it does create it, it creates speculation. I mean, the Yankees can go a lot of different ways this year with the pitching and other things. But if they're still contending, I, I don't know if they would consider a salary dump of Ellsbury or include him in a deal to get a uh, a pitching upgrade. But... It's going to be something to uh, definitely track. You know, Hicks is Hicks is making a mark in his time here. He's making the most of all of his uh, starts lately. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's, you know, uh, take advantage of that opportunity with Ellsbury out, and start with Castro also with a big game. Uh, you know, a lot of Yankees mm-hmm. doing well against the Cubs in that game. Uh, the three for four with a home run, a double, uh, and a walk. So he reached four times as well. Um, now Castro has been hot, but. 
the Yankees are just coming off of a home stand, and then they're in Wrigley Field, which uh, you know is also a park that should be good for Castro in terms of power. Uh, do you think Castro has arrived as somebody you can trust every week in uh, in a standard mixed league? I think he's getting there. He was somebody that I was big on last year, so it might be a player I was a year too early on. Um, he seems to be getting a lot more comfortable in that lineup, and the big bump is moving up into the meat of the order has really uh, improved all of his counting stats. So uh, to me right now, he is, and you're just going to ride him while he's hot. Yeah, well, and that's a good point about where he hits in the in the order. I'm just concerned that his his splits are so lopsided. Uh, he's you know mm-hmm. since, since he became a Yankee last year, not a whole lot of home run power on the road, but a lot at Yankee Stadium. So I still have a few doubts about whether or not he's uh, graduated beyond just being a streaming option. But you know, like you say, he can make up for it with fun production. So yeah, he just it might be there already. Well, lots more great performances to check in on. Yonder Alonso, we'll talk about him. Some great pitchers too. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melker, and my guest for today for the whole show. Greg Jewett, also for FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and Greg Pollum. We're going to review that a little bit uh, later on in the show. Uh, we're going to get on to some of the big performances from Saturday's games. But before we do that, um, I was remiss in all of the Mets talk early on in the, the first segment and looking at prospect call-ups and all that. Glossed over some some big uh, injury news. There was a lot of it, but good injury news. Uh, Ian Kinsler is expected to return to the Tigers lineup on Tuesday. He's been out with a hamstring injury. And uh, J.D. Martinez, he's been bumped up to AAA in his rehab, uh, so it's going well. In fact, hit a home run in his uh, advanced Class A rehab on Saturday, and he should be back sometime in week week six. Now, it's not certain, and it's not likely to be early in the week, so I certainly would not advise anybody to start J.D. Martinez, but uh, it, it shouldn't be long for him, and Ian Kinsler should be safe to start in week six. So let's uh, take a step back into week five and Saturday's uh, big performances. Yonder Alonso, two more homers. He's up to eight on the season. This was against the Tigers. Uh, in fact, both home runs off of Jordan Zimmerman. And Alonso, he's not trading off power for batting average. He's batting 314, Greg. So is, uh, mm-hmm. do you trust both sides of that equation, the power and the average? And does that make Alonso somebody who needs to be started pretty much everywhere? So it's funny because I just picked him up in my home league uh, on waivers last night. I was going to get him last week, and uh, I'm kicking myself because I could have had him for a lot cheaper last week. But um, I was able to win him in the uh, in the FOB bidding. Um, I'll get you have to give Eno Saris the credit for this one. In the preseason, he interviewed Alonso, in which he spoke about uh, working in the off season with uh, Cano and some other players to uh, get more lift on the ball and buy into the Justin Turner approach of, you know, you can't shift if you're hitting the ball in the air. Um, he's cut his ground ball percentage this year by 18%. His fly ball percentage is up 16%. And his hard contact, despite the increase in fly balls, is up to 40% this year. So 40% hard contact of his balls in the play um, suggests that Alonzo could be onto something. I mean, I don't know if he can maintain a 300 average, 
but he came up as a prospect that was supposed to be an OBP sort of a player. Um, it could be late blooming power with the uh, with the change in approach, you know, almost like a, a Daniel Murphy sort of a deal. So uh, right now I'm willing to buy in on it, especially with the uh, the price still being low. I think playing in Oakland really shrouds uh, the the attention that he's getting. I think so. I think that's likely to change. And like you said, uh, you could have gotten them cheaper a week ago. I think the buzz is building on Alonzo. So I think the window window is, is probably pretty small to get him in a lot of leagues. So uh, go check your leagues right now. We'll we'll wait. Well, actually, we won't. We, we got more news. <laughs> Chris Young also with a two-home run game at the Twins. Uh, so uh, that was a, a two-for-five performance for Chris Young. And in the same game... Uh, Xander Bogarts with three hits, but he's jealous of Chris Young because he has no homers. Uh, did have his third double in that game, but Bogarts batting three thirty seven, which is you know not anything for him that looks especially fluky. But what what do you think is up with the uh, lack of power for Bogarts, and is there a reason to be concerned? Yeah, that's a tough one because the the power last year was a bit of a surprise. Um, moving back in the third in the lineup should help him. Uh, rebound some of the RBIs. I mean, he's been down as low as six this year, so he keeps kind of bouncing in the order as Boston's looking to find a set lineup. Um, it's also intriguing that Ben Attendee moved to the four hole. Um, so there's still a lot of things uh, going on with this batting order, but, um, you know, I, yeah, Bogarts could get to double-digit home runs this year, but with this slow pace, uh, it, it's going to be hard to say. Uh, maybe an eight home run season with an uptick in the steals to keep his value afloat, but uh, it's definitely something to monitor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, you know, I find Bogarts among the you know the top shelf type hitters one of the hardest ones to project because every year he's he's mm-hmm. had a little bit of a different profile. Um, you know, so the power's been kind of on again, off again. Sometimes he pulls, mm-hmm. sometimes he uses the whole field. So, uh, you know, he's, he's an interesting study, but sort of frustrating from a fantasy perspective. And regardless, I think, you know, because he, regardless of what look he's giving you, he produces. So uh, I think mm-hmm. you can keep him in the lineup. Billy Hamilton, 19 steals already. That is just just unbelievable, even for him. A three-hit game against the Giants. Of course, the the a lot of Reds had a big game there against Ty Block, uh, but he tripled and doubled and took his batting average up now to two forty-six, which obviously is still not that great. And, and Hamilton getting on base barely above a three hundred pace, but uh, that batting average just two three days ago, I think, was somewhere around two twenty, maybe even a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um, and even so, at that point. He was a top forty outfielder in points leagues. Now you know he's you know he's a, a going to be a big producer in Roto just because of the steals. He's top ten there, but uh, you know is Hamilton doing enough even without a lot of home run power, without a high batting average, to be must start every format, every you know depth. Yeah, I, I know a lot of us and, and myself included, he ain't having a one trick pony, but the the difference he makes in stolen bases if you have him on your team. Um, I think you have to ride him out. Uh, you know, he had a pretty strong second half last year, which is what people were kind of hoping and buying into. You know, he's on a heater right now. Uh, he scored a run in seven straight games. He's reached in his last eight with uh, hits in eight out of the nine, three multi-hit games within him. But, you know, it's the stolen bases. You know, is he a poor man's Vince Coleman? It's quite possible. 
um, you know, you're going to take a little bit of that hit with the strikeouts and some of his overs as long as he's getting on base and stealing. Um, that you know, that's his. That's his. That's his thing. So, you know, uh, I think the batting average is gonna is gonna be a little variant through the year. But you know, you're there for the steals, and and he's providing them. You know, uh, you know, VR's kind of fallen off this year with only I think seven or eight stolen bases. So, Hamilton seems to be on a, uh, a clear path to to winning the title this year. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, and, and pun not attended, but running away with it. And I mean, he a hundred steals at this pace is is easily within reach. And steals steals could be kind of clumpy, so I don't want to get carried away with the on pace mm-hmm. type of analysis. But I, I feel like you know we we had huge expectations for Billy Hamilton when he came up and before he came up because of just the 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 numbers he put up in the minor leagues with the you know hundred plus steal season, but. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he's finally going to meet those really what I thought were unrealistic expectations. Uh, Cody Bellinger, speaking of high expectations, he keeps meeting those two for five with the Grand Slam uh, at San Diego. Also stole his first base and Bellinger also, again, you know, very small sample, but hitting for average, not sacrificing the average with the power batting 357. What do you see for Bellinger over the longer haul? You know, it's, this is very similar to when uh, Puig came up years ago in his rookie season. He's just making a monstrous splash. But um, I still think eventually as teams adjust, you know, we knew that strikeouts were going to be a part of his game, and that was part of my uh, my article on him when he first got called up. Um, so you're going to take this hot streak. I think the power is definitely for real. You know, even in a, in a smaller sample size this year, he has a chance to put up 20-plus as long as he stays with the Dodgers. Just uh, plan on that average up and back towards a uh, a 250 range to be a little bit more realistic over a full season. But, um, you know, the, he's got speed, he's got power, and he's really shown some good at-bats. You know, one of his hits last night was to the opposite field against the shift. So, you know, he's he's got some savvy to him. So I, I think he's got staying power. I just hope the Dodgers will keep him up there even when uh, Gonzalez gets back from his elbow issue from the disabled list. What do you think? Uh, you think they, they keep him in the lineup? Keep him up? If he keeps hitting and producing like this, I don't see how they can take him <laughs> out when they're trying to win the West. Yeah, no, I don't either. I actually, I, I would think that they're going to keep him, keep him in the majors. But, you know, you never know. If he gets ice cold... Uh, it's certainly a crowd enough mm-hmm. situation that you could you could foresee Belger going down. I don't. I personally don't expect that. Uh, Logan Morrison, a bit of a surprise so far this year. Uh, he went two for three uh, against the Blue Jays uh, with a, a walk and hit his seventh home run. So nice home run pace for Morrison, who's you know somebody when he first came up years ago with the Marlins. Uh, I think the expectations then were he was going to be a very good on base guy. With okay power, maybe 20 home runs a year, uh, he certainly has not been a, a great power source over the years, and is really disappointed as an on-base producer. But so far this year, no no complaints. I mean, do you think uh, this is some late blooming going on with Morrison? Yeah, he kind of hinted at this last year when he came back uh, from the disabled list, and during the second set, the second half, he had a strong slash line um, with a good WRC plus, and I, I think he's definitely carried that over to this year. Um, not quite to the level of a breakout of uh, Yonder Alonso, but um, you have to pay attention to the, you know, the, the 377 OBP and the 538 
slugging. So, you know, the home runs are a plus, and he's another player uh, like Alonso that's moving up. You know, Morrison's been hitting fourth in the lineup yesterday, and now again today against right-handed pitching. You know, anytime you're getting a player that's as cheap as he was hitting in the, the middle of the lineup, that just increases the counting stats and makes them more interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, he, he definitely. I, I have him in one deep league, and it was really just well, he's the first baseman who's who's out there and available, and I was sort of you know <laughs> using him begrudgingly. But uh, yeah, no, I mean it's maybe you're right. Maybe there's something to it, and and with the good finish last year, uh, you know maybe Morrison keep this going. We had a not so auspicious season debut from Jorge Soler, just uh, called up from re, uh, his injury rehab. Uh, for yesterday's game against the Indians, went 0 for 3 with the strikeout, which unfortunately is a little too too reminiscent of some of his performances with the Cubs last season. I, I like Soler as uh, this is you know, he had a terrible spring, but uh, particularly before that, I really like Soler as a sleeper this year because he does have good power. I felt like he never got a chance to get in a groove with the Cubs. Do you think that uh, he's got that potential with the Royals? Um, I, I'm going to watch him. I'm going to watch him from afar. Uh, we'll see what happens. I was kind of high on him in the preseason too, with 25 plus home run power, thinking that, you know, even Kansas city being a bigger park, he could do okay. Uh, being in the American league may help him being able to DH once in a while, but, uh, he, I think he's going to start slowly. He might heat up as the weather does. Um, so we might be paying more attention to him around the end of June, early July, but uh, I'm going to slow roast him. So if I have him in the league, I'm going to let him sit on the uh, reserves for a little bit and see what happens. I don't know how you feel. Well, sounds like a good plan, good way to, to deal with Solaire. Quick note before we go to break, Mike Trout out of the Angels lineup today against the Astros. So uh, you're going to have to stay tuned with that one. Pitching performances, we're going to check those out. So stick around. We will be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And with me today for the show is also from FanRag Sports, Greg Jewett. And uh, before we get on to talking about some of yesterday's pitching performances, we're also going to talk about Greg's uh, start-sit column and uh, lots of other stuff. Quick note here about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It is your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every single week. And this season, you'll also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout to get a special discount. Uh, now, uh, Greg, you know, mentioned that uh, we're going to get to some standout pitching performances. You also want to be sure to tune in to tomorrow's show. We're going to have Jim Finch on uh, talk about some of the two start options. So particularly if you're in a league where you can, you know, make wave, waiver pickups same day, uh, there's a, uh, Going to be some good information for you there. But in the meantime, check out Jim's two-start pitcher column at FanRag Sports. And we're also going to have an actual Major League pitcher on the show, Greg. 
have Trevor May come and uh, talk about his rehab from Tommy John surgery and the challenges of changing roles from uh, reliever to starter. Really looking forward to having Trevor May on tomorrow. So that, sh- that should be excellent. Uh, let's talk about some pitchers who, who are pitching, uh, who did pitch on Saturday. Uh, Jason Vargas, another great start. Six scoreless innings, four hits, uh, two walks. Six strikeouts in those six innings. So Vargas continuing to, to get the strikeouts. This was against the Indians. And Vargas now with a tidy little 1.19 ERA. Are you waiting for the bomb to drop out, Greg, or, or have you bought in? I think everybody has. I missed out on him um, at all the leagues. He was scooped up before I was willing to take a chance on him. So um, <laughs> I know I know a lot of those owners who picked him up are hoping that the Royals uh, will not trade him uh, when they decide to do the sell-off, but because uh, depending on where he goes could affect his uh, fantasy future. But you know he's still got the change-up working. Whatever he discovered with that pitch um, this year to stay effective, uh, I, I you know it's it's hard to go against him right now. It's not like it's been a couple of starts. It's been since the beginning of the season, and even his his FIP is not egregious at all in comparison to his ERA and all of the underlying factors. So. Uh, whatever fountain of youth he discovered in the off season, God bless him and ride him while he's hot. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was intrigued. I was able to pick him up in a couple leagues, and I think this was after two or maybe three starts. And and he, you know, in those early starts, he was getting the swings and misses, particularly on the changeup, but also with the changeup, he was getting a lot of grounders. Now that's that's kind of gone off mm-hmm. into the ether. So, you know, and we see that, you know, it, not just the beginning of the season, but, you know, in June, somebody will all of a sudden look like a different pitcher and then they're they're back to who they were, uh, which incidentally is another thing I want to talk to Trevor May about tomorrow. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the strikeouts keep coming for Vargas. So, you know, now that we're into the second month of the season, he's he's pretty intriguing. Josh Tomlin's also got a different look this year, too. It hasn't nearly had the same effect, but really, really good in this start um, against the Royals. Seven innings for Tomlin, uh, three hits, just one run, no walks, which is pretty standard fare for Tomlin, uh, and only three strikeouts. But he's got a 52% ground ball rate. And I have to now, Greg, I have to kind of uh, sort of hold back on my just knee-jerk reaction that when I see you know Tomlin, you know, I'm looking at the schedule and I see a team coming up at Tomlin, it's like, oh, home runs, fly balls <laughs> for Josh Tomlin because he's always <laughs> been such an extreme fly ball pitcher and always given up so many home runs. And, and you know, being becoming a ground ball pitcher this year, at least you know for this early part of it, it's it's not really helped that much. But uh, you know, this was a good start. And uh, I mean, do you think that? Uh, you know, there's anything to this with Tomlin, with him getting you know far more ground balls than he has in the past, and and maybe being able to keep the ball in the park a little more. Well, that that's going to have to be his thing because I I had the same thinking yesterday in DFS, so I put in Mustakis and a couple of others to uh, to no avail. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I will be cautiously optimistic and see how his next couple of starts go, but I'm not quite willing to buy in yet, especially due to the. To, to the low strikeout upside. I mean, at least Vargas is giving you strikeouts. I just don't know if Tomlin can provide that on a on a start to start basis for for fantasy. I mean, it's nice to have a guy that'll eat up innings and do things for you, especially with the with the amount of uh, starting pitcher injuries that just keep piling up this year. But uh, only only in a uh, fifteen teamer would I be willing to uh, to stream him at this point. But we'll have to see what happens. 
All right. Well, you know, that, that's, that's an upgrade, though, probably in a lot of leagues, you know, to consider mm-hmm. Tomlin at, at that depth of a league. Rick Porcell with a good start at the Twins. Seven innings, seven hits, just one run. No walks, six strikeouts. Got his ERA back under four at 3.95. And Porcello's also been sort of an interesting case this year. He, this is just his second win of the season. Obviously, it's not going as well as it did last year with the, the Cy Young campaign. But Porcello's Missing, you know, missing bats at a good rate this year. Um, he's just when the, when there is contact, he's getting hit a lot harder. Uh, in fact, he's one of the leaders in terms of average fly ball distance, which is not a leaderboard you want to see yourself on. But you know, do you think that Porcello can tamp down on that part of his game and become you know become an elite again this year? I don't know if he's going to become a lead again, but what what you're interested in is the uh, the 3% rise in swinging strike percentage. Uh, I mean, actually, I know he's given up more hard contact, but his overall contact is down almost uh, four percentage points. So, you know, uh, it's interesting. You know, it's you know, I don't think he's going to turn in another year like he did last year, and he's already lost as many games this year as last season. But um, as a bounce back person going forward, as long as you're planning on a a 3.5 to 3.7 ERA the rest of the way in his starts. I think you're buying him for what uh, what he's worth, um, and maybe he can hold those uh, strikeout gains for the full season, give you a few extra there. Uh, so I think as somebody, if it, if his owners kind of down on him or frustrated, I think it's worth kicking the tires, but just be realistic in your expectations. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, now, Jake Odorizzi, he's got his ERA down to 288 after holding the Blue Jays to just one run. He also went seven innings, no walks, and six strikeouts, just three hits. Uh, and uh, now this was at the Trop, and the way that I've used Odorizzi, you know, for much of his career as a Tampa great, a Tampa Bay great, start him anywhere else, pretty much sit him. Uh, do you think that he's you know, graduated from that? Uh, you know, now that he's got a sub three ERA. Well, let's just see. I'm pretty sure both of his starts this week were at home, but I know uh, uh, Mike Florio, who's on this channel quite a lot. Uh, he loves Odorizzi. He drafted him everywhere last year. So, just like me with Starlin Castro last year, we both might have been a, a year too soon. But uh, let's see Odorizzi do it uh, away from home. But he's definitely uh, his last two starts off of the DL are very, very. Very strong and, and give you some reassurance on him moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Strong start from Tyler Anderson in this one at Coors uh, versus the Diamondbacks. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, Diamondbacks could be a pretty dangerous matchup. But Anderson went six innings, got 10 strikeouts with just one walk, just one run allowed, six hits. His ERA is still pretty ugly at 6.69. But the, the key number here, aside from the 10 strikeouts, which is a season high for Anderson, was also 10 ground balls, which is also a season mm-hmm. high. And Anderson, like Porcello, kind of a split personality, um, getting a lot of swings and misses, one of the major league leaders in that regard. But getting hit very hard, uh, allowing, uh, prior to the start, a lot of fly balls, which was, you know, last year Anderson was surprisingly good because despite pitching at course, a lot of ground balls, not a lot of hard contact. And that part of the equation has been missing for Anderson this year. I wrote a piece on him earlier in the week for FanRag saying, go get this guy cheap because mm-hmm. he's proven he can get the ground balls. And once he gets that in place, he's, he could be utterly dominant. So is do you think that was... Uh, Maybe a, a little overboard on Anderson, or you, you think he can, uh, you know, be more consistent with these kinds of performances? 
Well, right now you're looking quite prescient, but uh, what really <laughs> struck out, excuse me, what really uh, stood out to me last night was he got eight swinging strikes with his changeup. You know, you know, having an effective changeup in cores is, alone is impressive uh, when, you're, when you're thinking about the air and not be, getting as good of a grip on the baseball. Uh, maybe the humidor helped him a little bit there, and he had 12 swinging strikes overall. And he, at one point, he, he, he struck out six batters in a row, and nine of the last seven outs recorded last night were via the strikeout. So he was just on his game, and it was a pleasure to watch. You know, you know, as a buy low person, you know, and once in a while you're going to get a dust up, but you're hoping he got a lot of those out of his system early in the year. Um, you know, he he was on a lot of people's sleeper list along with Jonathan Gray as uh, two cornerstones of the Rockies. You know, youth movement going forward. Um, and I think his early start really probably put him on a lot of waivers lists. So uh, as someone to uh, take a chance with, I think he definitely makes sense going forward, especially if he can get the ground ball rate back to where his old levels were. And last night was a, a tremendous way to do that with uh, Hanniger behind the plate. And the uh, the home announcers did mention that, you know, putting Hanniger back there, give him a different look behind the plate seemed to click. Uh, that's yeah. That's a, a factor. Uh, yeah, that I think is is worth considering with Anderson. That's uh, that's interesting. Uh, Garrett Cole, I think he's definitely back. Uh, eight strikeouts in seven innings against the Brewers. Granted, I mean this is a team that strikes out a lot, but they also you know hit for a lot of power, and he helped them to just two hits, uh, one run. Uh, so I would I would think Cole is you know back to being must start, but he wasn't the only Cole on a roll mm-hmm. last night. Uh, AJ Cole, six innings, uh, one run on six hits and four walks, uh, only two strikeouts. Um, so good overall result result for Cole, but he needed 109 pitches to get through those six innings through strikes on just 58 of them, but 20 called strikes, which I thought was kind of an interesting number for Cole. Uh, what do you make of this start? Yeah, he was nibbling. He's kind of like on his his last straw here with the Nationals, but they need him uh, right now probably more than Cole needs them. So it'll be curious to see how he does in his in his next start and if he's a little more aggressive in the strike zone. I think we'd like to see that out of him. Um, and the frustrating thing about Garrett Cole is he's given up two earned runs or less in his last five starts, and he's one and three in those games. I mean, the Pirates are just not scoring any runs. Uh, when he's on the mound, you want to talk about Porcello being frustrated with run support. What about poor Garrett Cole? Yeah, no, and I have to think in both cases, those teams, you know, should be better offensively. So I, I don't know. I don't have long term concerns there, but yeah, if you you own either of those pitchers, that's that's been a frustration. And just a couple more, uh, Greg, to get to before we we head to the break. Chase DeYoung in his second start for the Mariners. First one did not go well. This one did against the Rangers. He went six innings, just one run allowed. Four hits, no walks, uh, three strikeouts. And DeYoung in the minors, pretty good control pitcher. And here, really, really efficient. Just 75 pitches over the six innings through 52 strikes. So that's a that's a great ratio for DeYoung. Um, some fly ball tendencies that you know might play pretty well at Safeco, just like they do for Ariel Miranda. What sort of mm-hmm. level of interest do you have in DeYoung? I think he's a home stream at this point, and you're going to see what he does outside of Seattle. It's going to be a lot like in in Oakland, you can probably take a chance on him, but when he's going to uh, more hitting venues, you're probably going to be better off with him on the bench. All right. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Uh, what advice do you have for Julio Tehran owners? I'm not sure what exactly is going on with Tehran, but another another poor start. Five innings, four runs on nine hits and two walks, just three strikeouts for Tehran. His ERA now up to 4.69, and 
and he is walking batters at a much higher rate than we're used to, uh, 11.2%. Do you think uh, we need to sit Tehran? It's possible. I feel bad because one of my followers asked me if he should start him, and I was like, well, if you you drafted Tehran, you probably have to start him yesterday. But uh, him and all of the pitchers, him and all of the pitchers in uh, the SunTrust seem to be adjusting to the new park. I think uh, that field plays well to left-handed power hitters, as Matt Carpenter is displaying, and that's something that Tehran struggled with in the past. So you might want to take a start off at home and see what he's got going on and hope he can rediscover something. But, yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely worth watching. You know, he went pretty high in drafts this year, and he's not given any return on that value. Yeah, no, it's disappointing. I'm certainly planning on sitting him uh, for week six and uh, see if maybe he can improve while he's on my bench. Uh, well, we got some <laughs> more start-sit conundrums uh, coming up, Greg, from your column. Gregory Polanco, Josh Harrison, which Pirates uh, do you start, which do you sit? We'll talk about that and other conundrums when we come right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with me today, also from FanRag Sports, is Greg Jewett. And Greg has written his weekly start-sit column, this one for week six, of course. Uh, we're going to get to some of his recommendations in a moment, and, and two of those recommendations of all Pirates. So I've got a question for you, Greg. Who is the Pirates' least favorite pitcher? <laughs> you mean to face? Yeah, well, this is just this is a silly joke, so. Matt, oh, the Pirates' least favorite pitcher uh, is Matt Garza. Oh, man. Get it? Yeah, Pirates. Yeah. Well, he had a good start against them <laughs> yes, on yes. Saturday. He did. Uh, so uh, it, uh, yeah, we'll see if there's a little something there. But uh, let's, let's uh, you know, get into something a little less silly involving the Pirates. Uh, a, a start recommendation for Josh Harrison, who's off to a terrific start with more power than we're accustomed to. But you're saying sit Gregory Polanco. So what's behind those recommendations? Well, the next week, uh, if, if things hold, we are, we've seen how volatile rotations in particular, and it's one of the hardest things I do is, you know, Thursday night to Friday morning trying to predict what pitcher is going to pitch for each team in the week ahead. But um, they're heading to L.A. and Arizona, which is nice for the Pirates, especially the Arizona part. Maybe that can spark their bats. But um, as it stands now, the Pirates are slated to face four left-handed pitchers in the week ahead. And for Gregory Polanco, that's been something uh, not very good. You know, uh, using the, the data that I had that time, it was his, his WRC plus was 66, league average is 100. Um, his slash line against left-handed pitching was 219, 306, 281. Um, with a .081 ISO. So he's not hitting for any power against left-handed pitching. And if you're talking the majority of his uh, matchups next week are against southpaws, even with the allure of uh, going to Arizona, I just think it's another going to be another tough week, which also could set up as a perfect buy-low opportunity because Polanco's owners, I've seen him and uh, should I be dropping him questions on Twitter with other writers that I know? So people are really getting frustrated. So, 
you know, it's almost like the old trading places, the stock's getting so low that it's almost time to buy. So this could be the perfect week, especially if he starts off slow again on the road to uh, kick the tires with his owner and see maybe if you can catch the, the hot Polanco once he uh, rediscovers his stroke. Yeah, I really like that, uh, you know, that strategy a lot, uh, you know, just in general. Uh, now you've got Ben Gamble as one of your recommended starts. What uh, is that be in a 12 team mixed league or, uh, you know, what, what sort of league? I think you could go to that level for the, for the week ahead. You know, there's something magical about hitting second in Seattle this year um, against right-handed pitching and they're going to face all right-handed pitching on the road. Plus you're getting the ballpark improvement going to Philadelphia and Toronto uh, for a left-hander on the Mariners. So, you know, you know, he's hitting over 300 with a five, 500 plus slugging percentage, uh, putting him in those two ballparks, I think should be uh, a good play in the week ahead. All right. Well, Greg, thank you so much for the advice. Hope you have a great Sunday. Hope you all have a great Sunday. Join us tomorrow. We'll be back. Have a good one, everybody. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7.